Hi friends and welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, which is about helping all of us do life just that little bit better each and every day. My name is Dave Joyner and I'm so grateful that you're joining me today. And before we kick off with this episode, I thought we'd get back into the fan of the week. And uh, this comes from Meandering Will. And thank you very much for leaving a five-star rating um, and a review on the iTunes app. And uh, anyway, your review says, thank you for putting on these podcasts. They contain great information to improve yourself and do life better. I like how they are delivered and are not preachy. That's nice. Thanks. Um, They are definitely helping me during these unusual times. And there's a big smiley face. Um, Meandering Will, thank you very much. I really do appreciate you taking that time to reach out and leave a five-star rating and a review. And if you would like to be the fan of the week, please do the same. Please jump on there, leave me a rating and a review, and I'll definitely make sure to read it out. In fact, I'll read out any of the reviews that come on here, just like this one uh, we received a little while ago. And um, it's from someone who calls themselves not okay at all. And they give a one-star rating, and their comment is not enjoyable, dot, dot, dot. Um, Not okay at all. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate your time to give some feedback, your time to give a comment there. So, look, if you want to leave any comment at all, um, I'll definitely make sure to read them out here. And you know what? I think in these times, like we've got to take the good with the bad. You know, like just like the one star rating from not okay at all. And then the five star one from Meandering Will. I think it is times of these crazy ups and then these crazy downs right now. Like even just this morning um, with the morning routine with my sons, with the exercise, mindfulness and gratitude. uh, After I finished doing my gratitude, one of the things I wrote about was how much I'm enjoying my sons spending time together, how well they're getting on together. It's, It's actually been quite surprising for me. They seem to be getting on a lot. Um, better than I thought they would and I went over to my sons and I told them that I said hey just want to say thank you because what I wrote down today is about how well you boys have been getting on and I kid you not within 10 minutes of me saying that um, they weren't <laughs> let's just say they weren't getting on very well at all at that point and I think it's just kind of like that at the moment there's again so many and there's so much happening right now um, that it's really kind of up and down you know some people are okay with where we're at in terms of COVID-19 they're quite content they're happy they're moving along other people are struggling some people are just good one day and not so great the next day kind of like how I've been a bit and so to help with all of this you know I've been doing some of the solo rounds but to help with this a bit more what I thought we'd do is reconnect because again more connection is a really big thing at the moment that we need to do a lot more and I thought part of that is I'm going to reach out to some of the previous guests we've had on the podcast and see how they're doing see what they've been up to see what's working for them and then see what messages and tips and hints and habits do they have that we can use today um, during this time or even not just now but long term as well what are those things that we can really focus on now to help ourselves during this time to help us be the best we can be with those around us and 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 really grow our levels of self-care and self-compassion during this time as well but then also you know how do we use this time well and to help us come out the other end quite okay and our first guest 
who we're having back on the Do Life Better podcast is Dr. Joanne Lukens. For those of you who remember her from the previous episode, you may remember that she is the sports psychologist for the North Queensland Cowboys and the Townsville Fire. And she spends her days inside the heads of elite athletes and organizations, assisting them to improve their mindset and reach their potential. Um, since we last spoke, Jo has released her book, The Elite, which is on my desk right now as we speak, uh, which reveals the 10 key secrets that elite athletes have learnt to master their craft. Now, during this episode, we have some time to catch up at the start where she talks about the things that um, she's been working on and then I surprise her with a few other questions like, you know, what have you been most grateful for during this time? We also get onto really helpful things too, like how using the performance mindset can help right now, how to be gentle on yourself and how to stop shooting on yourself. How to keep our mojo. Now, that was a big part of the conversation for me. How do you keep your mojo during these times? Um, Also, how can we enhance our physical training and well-being and then rethinking goals for 2020. So this chat with Joe was really helpful for me. I really enjoyed catching up with her, Ashley, which I hope you can tell in the episode. But um, yeah, for now, whatever it is that you're doing um, as you listen to this podcast, I really hope that you enjoy this chat with Dr. Joe Lucas. Hi, Joe. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Do Life Better podcast. Good to speak with you again, Dave. We quickly mentioned just before we started recording that our timing for our chats haven't been great in one sense, but in another sense, I think they've actually been really quite helpful. The last time we we figured out that the last time we, we interviewed, the last time we chatted for the podcast was during the Townsville floods and you were right in the midst of it. And obviously now it's during this pandemic of COVID-19, um, maybe we need to hold off the next chat, Joe. I think <laughs> we, we don't want to make something else happen in the future. No, that's right. I don't know if this is a cue from the world that we need to, um, stay away from each other or not, but you, but you are certainly right that we, we've spoken in times of great adversity. So, you know, there's always lessons for us to learn from it. So. Yeah. And actually during, after we last spoke, after the podcast was released, uh, one of my listeners from Townsville works in a school up there. He actually mentioned how much hope your message brought them, um, how beneficial what you had to share was for the people up in Townsville. And um, one of the reasons I've, uh, I thought we'd talk again today is because I know that the message you're going to bring is going to be really helpful for lots of people during this time as well. And um, so that was the last time we interviewed. The last time we actually had a proper chat on the phone wasn't too long ago. We were talking about a different project. And that was when your team, the Cowboys, were playing my team, the Broncos. Um, and we'd actually spoken on the phone about how much of a different game it was going to be for them because that was the first time they played without an audience. Is that right? Yes, yes. I, I, yes, we were talking about the dynamics of that and what a crowd yeah. brings to to the game. And I guess we probably had maybe was it one or one round of of football with with empty stadiums and and I know a, a colleague of mine who's a basketball coach actually was in Jerusalem um, and coaching there and yeah. one one of the conversations we had was about whether there would be benefit in playing the home crowd sound for their team when they were doing mm. good things um, because we know how 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 quickly our mood can change and how responsive we can be to that so there's there's oodles of psychological research in, in that very area and, and who knows how sport will go in the coming 
months when it does finally start back up that maybe maybe there'll be an opportunity to test that who knows absolutely and as we go in the conversation i'd love to talk more about how do you prepare a team for that given everything that's been going on um but since we spoke last i think the last um time we spoke for the podcast was uh february last year i'd love to hear what are the things you've been working on since then yeah it's been an exciting time i must say the the last 12 months seem to have gone by very, very quickly. So when, when we spoke um, for the podcast last time, you were kind enough to um, take me through or let me talk through some of the things that we're going through because I was just in the final stages of writing my book, um, my book, The Elite. So that was launched um, in June of last year so that I had that release. So that was a bit of an exciting journey. It was certainly the first time I'd done something like that. And I think it's good sometimes to to push your boundaries. I don't know if you've found it when you've taken on big projects, but it kind of forces you to take your own advice. It makes you feel a bit vulnerable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that was a really good learning experience for me. In addition to obviously getting the book written, which was which was the, the whole aim of the project. But I think I learned a lot about myself during that journey. So that's that's been a fun thing that um, that I ticked off for, for last year. And then obviously there's been lots of on effects from that. What is one of the main things you learned about yourself? Uh, well, I learned a lot about my vulnerabilities, I think. I think that I I really started, I wondered whether my message was something that other people wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Like I wondered if it was un- unique enough that it, it warranted being included in a book. And, and so I kind of went through this little bit of a roller coaster of emotions around you know, because I guess what I was trying to do was bring together 25 years of work. And then it made me ask the question, well, what have I learned in 25 years? Have I learned anything? You know, <laughs> have I got anything to say at the end of all of this? And, and I'm pleased to say I came through that. And the turning point for me with the book, and, and it's a great question to ask, is that I, I wondered about when I was ready to let it go. And I often talk to PhD students at uni. I do a bit of teaching at, at the university here. Um, and talk to them about when they finally submit their thesis. And that's the cues, you submit your thesis and it's the point at which you let it go. Um, And it was interesting with the book for me because I was in my head, the project of writing the book was such a big project, I didn't really actually think about finishing it. You know, like I had, I didn't wonder what that was going to be like. I couldn't imagine it. Like you just write a book and, Mm. you know, presumably that takes forever and then you don't actually think about it. So then I hit the point where it was done um, and I, I kind of gone on this seesaw of, you know, it's good, it's not good, it's good, it's not good. And then one day I just looked at it and went, yeah, it's what I wanted to write. You know, I, I, I don't know what the world's going to think of it, but I've written the book I wanted to write. And that was a very peaceful kind of moment of self-acceptance, I guess. And then I just handed it over to the layout and off it went. So um, and it went through the printing presses and, 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 it's, and it's a real thing now. So, so I've got the... The book there is the paperback. I did the the ebook was just part of that process, and then oh, that's what I did in December. I did the audio book, and wasn't that a challenge to do? Because <laughs> wow. um, I don't know about I don't know about everyone listening in, and I don't know, Dave. You're you're so accomplished at doing these podcasts, but I I really don't like to hear the sound of my own voice. I don't know how how you go with that. It takes a while to get used to, for sure. Yeah, it does. So when you record an audio book. There's all these rules, like you've got to have the microphone in a certain place. At the end of a sentence, you need to keep your mouth open so you don't make that kind of clicking noise with your mouth. But 
you know, you've got to keep your mouth wet and all these sorts of things. But the other thing that you have to do is you have to read your book again. Um, and so I had actually not read my book since it had come out to when I did the audio book in December. So that's, you know, you get very close and personal with your with your book again when you do something like that. So that was an interesting thing to do. So, yeah, um, yeah. and it was good actually because I came away, I still liked it. Well, that answers my next question then. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, well, although I have to confess, I haven't actually listened to it since the whole thing's come together, but other people have. So apparently I got all the way through it. Um, oh, good. So I did all of that. And then the most recent thing is I've, I've put together an online module, which given the whole world seems to be going online at the moment, um, my timing's probably worked in quite well there. So that's been an interesting journey as well. Nice. And during these times and more in the good times, this is important as well. And particularly during these difficult times right now where we um, allow ourselves to spend time in gratitude. And it's something that I've been trying to do each day a lot more myself and get my sons to do each day as well. Uh, so over these last well, 12 months since we've spoken, Joe, I'd love to hear what's something that you've been the most grateful for. Oh, that's a Oh, I, yeah, I'm like you, Dave. I am such a fan of gratitude because I really do think it's our foundation for well-being and, and, and happiness. And I think I've just been grateful for the opportunities that I've had to pursue the projects that I've been involved with. And, and I think, I, think I, I say that without mentioning any people, but that's really about um, and we know that, you know, in addition to the importance of gratitude, the other thing that's incredibly important is our support networks and those people who are around us. So um, the support of my family has helped to provide the opportunity for me to pursue some projects that were important to me. So I've just been very mindful and thankful of, of those opportunities and, and am then more aware of helping other people find opportunities for them to pursue things that are important to them. Nice one. Thank you. So um, earlier we mentioned about that game between the Broncos and the Cowboys. And the Broncos is my number one team. The Cowboys is my second team. Then the Storm. But anyways, um, during the game, it was a great game too. But during the game, I, I have to, I was even talking to my wife about how on earth would you, I was thinking about you because I know that you're the sports psychologist. And I was thinking, well, I was talking to my wife about how on earth would you prepare a team to go into such a different environment. So what do you do? How, how do you help prepare them for that? Yeah, look, I think the challenge for elite athletes is they need to be prepared for anything. Um, and whilst no one would normally have, and you might be playing in the midst of a pandemic, you know, as part of their game plan, but, you know, athletes need to be able to deal with the unexpected. Um, and it's interesting, I, I, I've I guess in my own mind, I've drawn parallels between what athletes have to do with that, with um, some of the work that I do with the army as well. It's about that. How do you create order within chaos if that's, if that's what's going on? And so the big message we're always saying to athletes is to focus on the controllables, you know, because for our team, in, you know, based here in sunny North Queensland and it's still a beautiful day out there, um, today for us and it's nice and hot and all the rest of it so if we go to play in Canberra or if we go to play in Auckland you know where it's it's colder you know it, it could be raining it could be there's a whole range of you know the crowd you, you could go somewhere where there's a really huge crowd that are really against you and all the rest of it and you can't do anything about it so athletes whilst they 
they've never been prepared for playing in an empty stadium. Um, they are very well prepared for managing the controllables versus, you know, being able to block out the uncontrollables. And that's really a big part of the test of, of what's being asked of them. And, and I guess what, what the teams are very good at is they're good at training in empty stadiums. You know, most of them will train in a facility and, and for the cow, I can't speak for every team, but for the Cowboys, many of their training sessions over the last 20 years have been in the stadium that they play their home games in. And I know that's not the case for every team. Others might have other training grounds. So they train in an empty stadium most of the time. The public usually don't go in. So it's about creating the environment for yourself as, as best you can. You know, you've got to be able to be adaptable. If, if, I, if I go with another sport, having to be adaptable um, is the Townsville Fire. Uh, and that had our Women's National Basketball League team here. Now, when we went to Perth and played the grand final over there, and the Perth crowd are parochial, they're, you know, they, they really do give it to the opposition. You know, you're coming all the way across from the east. So, so they, you know, they do all sorts of really helpful things for your team. Like for us, they because I've travelled over with the team, so I was, I was sitting in the seat behind the bench and two rows of seats behind me was a full brass band. So whenever there was a timeout and our team was in the huddle, the trumpets would start up and everything else deliberately to put us off. Wow. You know, so so they create that. And you know what? You're fully entitled to do that in your own home game, you know, and they would turn out the lights. Um, and so we knew that. So our, our coaching staff had torches with them so that they could still show our players the boards. So, you know, there's all sorts of little tricks that go on and that's that's what happens at that stadium. Um and you need to be able to adapt it. So we walked into, if I can tell one quick story, we walked into that stadium for the warm-up on the day of the grand final and it was a three best of three series. Um, and when we went in there, they had provided everyone in the stadium with a T-shirt to support Perth. And what they'd done for the setup is across every, they placed a T-shirt across the back of every seat. So the idea was you went in, obviously wearing all your normal clothes, and then they had these big T-shirts that you put on to wear. But what they hadn't really thought about is that um, the Perth colours were red with black, but the fire colours were black with red. Um, so we walked in there and we looked and you saw this sea of T-shirts and before I, I could even get it out of my mouth, one of the players went, oh, cool, they're wearing our colours. You know, <laughs> So you've got to be able to adapt yeah. in, in these kind of situations. The Australian swim team did it years ago. At, I think it was at an Olympics or a World Championships where the crowd would call out for the USA and they would call out USA and there was this chant, you know, USA. Well, if you if you hear the pause in a different spot, it's AUS, mm. AUS. So it, it's really about, and I know that those are probably a very long stretch from what we're going through at the moment, but sport's really about adaptability. And, and I think that, you know, Every team's in that situation. Every team is playing in an empty stadium. So it's really who overcomes that mental side of the challenge and can bring their focus back to the bit you can control, which is where you position yourself for a play or how you, how you handle the ball or, you know, what you're going to do. And, and then it's also about going, well, what's good about playing in an empty stadium? One of the things that's good is you can hear each other much better. You know, so how do you – and here's a good lesson for us – how do you make the, the most – of a situation that you'd probably prefer to not be in. And that's probably what many of us are doing now at different levels because our experiences are all very, very different. 
but how do you make the most of being in a situation that you wouldn't have envisaged that you were going to be in? Absolutely. So how else then can we use performance mindset to help right now? And again, acknowledging that for some people, the inconvenience might be as little as having to work from home now, whereas for others, the, there might be some really big struggles happening in their lives and with their family and their businesses and so on. What could be, I like what you said before about controlling the controllables and adapting and overcoming. What else can we learn from the performance mindset to help us now? Well, I I think with a performance mindset, what it does is it offers us some adaptability and flexibility in our thinking. So it's not helpful for us to be quite fixed in our views about the way things should be. Um, And there's an interesting word, the word should, you know, how, how things should be and being quite fixed in our thinking and so forth, because we don't know from any given moment how things are going to change. So if you look in Australia, across Australia in the last couple of weeks, you know, we literally went across the course of a weekend where because of the health recommendations, some substantive things had to be put in place where our lives, all of us, our lives changed. Businesses had to close down. People, you know, probably left for home on Thursday, Friday afternoon and then found that they didn't have a job on Monday, you know. So... So those kinds of things. So it's, I guess the challenge with sport and with that performance mindset is to find ways to be adaptable and to and to seek the possibilities that, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of possibility thinking, you know, and I, I, you might remember we talked about this last time yep. way back in February when we talked about Roger Bannister and possibility thinking, like what would happen if, you know, a, a colleague of mine who's a health professional was at work yesterday, encountered a situation, she was telling me about it this morning, um, where she wasn't able to do what she would normally do. The details don't really matter, but she wasn't able to do what she normally do. So she said, I had to sit there and think, well, what could be possible? And she said, I came up with a solution that I would never have thought of three weeks ago because we've suddenly th- been thrown into an environment of uncertainty and I think, as you said, um, very sensitively, we need to be mindful that when we're, in a, when we're in a place of uncertainty, that affects us emotionally. And I certainly acknowledge what you're saying is that this um, global circumstance at the moment is very different for everyone in our community. For some people, they are going through a substantive health crisis. For some people, they are going through a substantive financial crisis or people are going through major changes in the household, or they're going through all three. You know, so the other thing we need to be mindful of is when we have, um, you know, substantial changes is that when life feels out of control and unpredictable, that's when people often report feeling like they, they're struggling, that it's difficult, that, the, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon when life feels out of control. So if people are feeling like that, that's normal. And we need a little bit of time to get used to whatever it is that's going on. So... The, the one thing I think that's really important is, you know, our messaging in sport is always about seek the good, find the positive, what's helpful, and all of those messages are incredibly important. And it's also important that we take a breath and that we come to terms with what's happening for us because we can't really move on until we can accept our circumstances. And I say that very carefully because accepting our circumstances doesn't mean that we like our circumstances. But, you know, it's it's like if we take a sporting example, let's gravitate back to that. Um, and 
from memory your team beat my team the other week when I wasn't we were talking about that, that game. Yes. <laughs> oh, I know, you've been, you've been very kind, but, you know, so uh, let's not pretend that any Cowboys fans liked that and whether the Cowboys fans liked it or not is probably less relevant. But for the players, you don't have to like that you just lost, but unless you can accept it, you can't move on. Because if you don't accept the loss and you don't accept the circumstances under which it happened, you're never going to learn from it. So we can't always be expected to like our circumstances and that's what sport teaches us, uh, particularly when our team loses. Um, But when we can accept that it has, then we can learn the lesson that it offers us and then we can move forward. And, And I think that's one of the really great things that sport teaches us over and over again, week after week after week, is that, you know, within a game or at the end of a game with a result, it may or may not be what we wanted, but it's really now, well, now it's next week. So dust yourself off and, and let's see see what's going to happen next. And so depending on our circumstances, of course, depends on how long it takes us to come to terms with whatever our circumstances are. Absolutely. And I think I went into the, when all this happened, I think I went into the possibility thinking too quickly and I didn't give mm. myself enough time to just, allow the acceptance to sink in um, because again as we were talking about before we started recording both of our calendars just went completely open um, in the space of a couple of days really and Absolutely. I my survival mechanism I suppose was what can I do next how can I make this work for me um, because you know at the time the reality was that I might be having no work in schools for one to two terms And I'm like, well, if I sit around home, I'm just going to get too bored. That's no good. The second part is, well, now we've got no income and that's no good. So I went into creative mode probably too quickly and just started. I mean, we've got some projects we're working on now, which is great. And mind you, having these projects probably keeps me going. It keeps me optimistic and hopeful and so on. But then, and I want to get to this in a moment, the shoulds keep coming up too much. <laughs> but I think the first week working from home was great because I just kept on going. I was motivated. I was excited about these new projects. But then the first day when the schools were shut and my sons were home, that's when the reality really sunk in. And that was a really tough day for me. I couldn't get any work done. And I then had to spend the next week really just trying to accept the situation and then try to find that new normal. And I've still been struggling with the shoulds. Like I should still keep working. I've got people even today waiting for me to get back to them with the new name for this new app and all this stuff. And I'm like, I should be working on this right now. But I think, and I'd love to hear from you about how can we overcome the shoulds, but that's something that I'm really struggling with right now. So yeah, what can we do? How do we, how do we stop shooting on ourselves? Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting notion, isn't it? And I think that's what we've seen through this time that we're going through now is that there is lots of expectations that people are putting out there that in thinking about their own circumstances, they're maybe not thinking about everyone. So it's almost like now there's this pressure that when we come through this, however long that's going to take, we're gonna come out with, you know, five new extracurricular activities that we couldn't do before and, you know, I'm suddenly gonna become a you know, an aria singing bagpipe playing unicyclist or something like, you know, like I'm going to be able to, you know. And and I even thought, saw that over the Easter weekend. You know, a lot of parents posted their creations they had cooked with their children in the in the kitchen. And there were some amazing, beautiful things. And I thought, hmm, 
I went to the local bakery and I um and I bought a block of chocolate. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what I did. And it's very easy to get caught up in the oh, I should have been baking mm. with my kids, or mm. I should be doing this, or I should be doing that. And I think some people think you know come back to that language because they think it's helpful. You know, that's going to motivate me. I should do some exercise. I should be baking fresh treats every afternoon for my family. I should be getting the work done. I should I should know the name of my app by now. You know, what it, whatever it's going to be. But for most people, what shooting on yourself does, and I and I phrase it that way deliberately, but what all that does is it just makes you feel guilty when you don't do it. And it tends not to motivate you. It tends not to make you feel more enthusiastic. And it just makes you feel a bit crappy, really. You know, it's just it's just another thing I haven't done. So for most people, it doesn't have a motivating effect. In fact, it has the opposite. It makes you wallow in the fact that you didn't do it. Um, and so I've, I've always been one, and I've done it for years, and it's amazing how ingrained it is. I always correct myself if I should on myself, and I either do it internally in my head or I actually, you know, if I was talking to you and we were talking about, I don't know, exercise, and I said to myself, you know, I, I, I should go for a bike ride tomorrow and then I don't. Um, what I what I do is I you know, I correct myself around the you know it would be good if I if I did this and I think one of the things that I use uh, to shift my thinking because I think it becomes like you were saying it becomes a mind shift um, in terms of what we do is that rather than saying that I you know I should do yoga I really should it'd be better you know I really should be doing that. Asking myself the question, why? why? Why would yoga be something that you might want to do? And so then I might come up with things, well, I know I always feel really good when I finished it or I know it helps me to relax or, you know, it gives me some time out. You know, for the 30 minutes while I'm doing yoga, I'm not thinking about the rest of the world. It's a mindful practice. It makes me more grateful. And then all of a sudden I go, well, there's some good reasons to do yoga. Because if I just sit there all afternoon going, well, sometime this afternoon I should do yoga, I should do yoga, and then I don't do it and I feel miserable, I'm more likely to move towards it or decide whether or not it's, it's something that I choose to do. So I could be doing yoga this afternoon, say, as an example. Um, might be a way of phrasing it. And I just think it's a little bit more gentle mm. in terms of the way we talk to ourselves. That There's enough going on for us at the moment. So, you know, with you know, and you might do this after after the podcast is over, Dave, but, but if it came back to your naming your app, which you mentioned before, you, you know, you might think about, say, what are three reasons why um, I would appreciate getting that done? And then it, those reasons are more likely to motivate you. Or you might go, you know what, actually, yoga isn't something that I need to do. Maybe I'm going to go and do something else, you know. So it's not necessarily that you have to do these things, but we get caught up in the shoulds and typically the resulting emotion is guilt and guilt is just yuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, not big, I'm not a big fan of guilt. Exactly. Exactly. In terms of, as you mentioned, exercise, in terms of um, productivity, in terms of what family life now looks like, you probably noticed just then as you were speaking, my sons came in to ask me a question just then. And there, there's that guilt as well about I should be spending more time with my family because they're home, but I should be working at the same time and then I should be homeschooling them. And so I think, as you're saying, just to be a little bit more gentle around um, expectations. Yeah, and, and I think the other the other thing that happens for us particularly for those of us who are working from home, is it really 
butts up against each other two values that can be really important to us. So I know you well enough, Dave, to know that you value your working life and, you know, what you contribute and how, it, you know, it's, it's a place where you are very capable of what you do and so forth. So it makes perfect sense to me why work is something that you value. And I also know how much you love your kids and your family. So it's yeah. a challenge for us then is that when there's two things that we really value, say, for example, our work and our family, which will resonate for many people listening, it gets really tricky when those two values compete with each other. So if we'd been having this conversation two months ago, we might say, well, you could be at work feeling guilty that you're not at one of the kids' soccer practice, and then you could be at the soccer practice feeling guilty that you're not at work. So there's kind of this mismatch between we're in one place, yet we're thinking about the other. And I think sometimes the challenge is to be a bit more, and I know you're a fan of this as well, to be a bit more mindful that at the moments that you're going out with the kids and you're doing the homeschooling and just making sure that they've logged in and they've done all their bits and pieces and all the rest of it, as giving yourself permission, and there's that phrasing again, giving yourself permission to be the parent who's helping with the homeschooling and then also having those opportunities when we can say to the children, and my children are a little bit older than yours, so I actually have a slightly nasty note on my door so my kids know not to come. <laughs> I don't think they're going to come into this room because they've, they've probably read the note. There's also a note. That I, should, I should say there's also a note hanging up in my fridge at the moment that says, you're not hungry, you're bored, shut the door. Um, <laughs> I do have that up as well. Um, I, I'm a big believer in notes in my household. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's challenges there is that when we have these competing values, um, being clear, that we can't be everything. I mean, maybe that's part of one of the lessons. There's going to be many lessons for us from going, having gone through this time. And, you know, it would, it would be great if we can pick up on some of these things. And maybe it teaches us something about our values, what's important, but also reminds us that we can't do it all at once. Mm. So, you know, it's important, you know, just as uh, I know your, your kids are, are, are busy off doing some stuff at the moment while we're talking and so are mine. And I went to my kids this morning and said, I'm doing a podcast this morning. It will be between this time and this time. And hey, how about when we're finished, we'll go out into the backyard and we'll, you know, and had a couple of things there that I said to them that we were going to do. So set up the expectations and they also understand that I'm not there at their beck and call all the time because that's that, that's not a good lesson for them to learn either. So certainly not a good lesson for me. So, you know, I think it's it's those challenges around values and, and also around um how we feel about the expectations we put on ourselves. We do think quite in, in very similar ways, Joe. <laughs> That's a similar conversation <laughs> I have with my sons. And and even in terms of um, what you're saying before, thanks for that counselling session, by the way, because um, <laughs> what you're saying before about the balance between work and family, these are conversations I've been happen, having with my wife and other people before COVID-19 happened because my calendar in terms of how often I'm traveling this year is completely maxed out. I like being married. I like being a dad. I want to keep it that way. Being a dad is really important to me. And so, but when I'm away from home working, there's that guilt um, of, you know, I'm away, but at the same time, I love the work I get to do and I feel I can, I can make a difference. So I said, I like how you mentioned before balance acknowledging that this is time in work and now this is family time. And I think for me, when I'm away for work, I make sure that time counts as much as possible because, yeah, I feel a bit bad about being there, um, but I'm going to make it count and make it as worthwhile as possible. Then when I get home, I'm going to be all in at home 
as much as possible. Yeah. And and to do that as best you can, I think that I think that's just a, a great way to do it because what's underlying when we feel and you said I feel a little bit bad, you know, feeling a little bit bad comes from a little should. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't I, sh- I shouldn't I shouldn't be I shouldn't be in this hotel room by myself not having to do anything for anybody mm. else. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of I, that's what I notice when I go away. I shouldn't be going out having this really nice meal right now all by myself and not with my wife. Yeah, yeah, all all of that sort of <laughs> stuff. And the reality is is that you need yeah. to eat and you are out. And and if you you know, I say the same thing to people when they eat chocolate cake, you know, that you know, if you eat too much chocolate cake every day, we know there's a consequence for us that probably isn't helpful. Um I really like chocolate cake, so I do like to eat it every now and again. So when I eat it, I don't want to eat it with a spoonful of guilt every time I, you know, if I'm going to eat chocolate cake, enjoy it, enjoy you know. It. So, it. Um, yeah, yeah you, it's, it, you're in the experience. It is what it is. You're not able to change it at that particular moment. And like you say, appreciate and be grateful for the opportunities when you do get home in boots and all, you know, get 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 involved with, with, with all that the hat is doing and contribute to that. And the other thing I think that is really useful when we are, say, away from our families or even when we're away from our work, isn't this an opportunity to think about what what that experience is like? I'm thinking about my work quite differently, particularly my seminars and things, because I'm not giving them. And so I know I'm going to go back to them with fresh eyes um, and I know I'm probably going to do some of those things differently. And I, what I'm hearing everyone saying, you know, I've got – um, as you do, two two children at school and mine are both in high school, one of mine's in grade 12. And so now looking at their learning opportunities um, for now, and I heard our principal say in, a, in an interview just recently, school will never be the same again. And he, and he was talking about that in a positive way. He was saying we've now had to become incredibly creative in an incredibly short period of time. We're going to learn a lot. And maybe now we'll start to do things differently. And, and you, you're already trying to see people find creative solutions in a time of necessity, which is what we often see with creativity. Mm. Sure. Thank you. Um, now, we mentioned that this would be a shorter interview today. Um, and I can hear my son's already going again, a little bit restless in the background. But just there's a couple more questions I'd love to ask you. So if we can do this maybe rapid fire. Sure. See how we go. So, in other words, you know, what comes to mind first? What would be your quick tips with these ones? Because I think yes. these would be really helpful during these times right now. Um, this one's uh, I've been my energy and everything's been up and down quite a bit lately. Like one day is great, next day is not so great. How do we keep our mojo? Okay, you keep your mojo by creating a new routine. So, if you had a mojo before and you and, and you don't have it there so much now then what's changed probably, I would guess, for most people is your routine. So you need a new normal. So I I would just suggest that you spend a little bit of time reflecting on what did my routine used to look like? Oh, yes, that's right. I used to exercise every morning as part of my get ready for work routine. Um, So how am I going to schedule that in? So we are creatures of habit. About 40% of what we do every day is habit. So it's keeping your mojo is partly about creating routine um, and you need to spend some time thinking about that so that you can do a job of it that's going to work for you. Excellent. And then with that, how do we enhance our physical training and our well-being? How do we enhance it? Mm. Um, well, so many of us will now be doing it differently. So here's where you get to be creative. So for me, I know that my, my, I do triathlons. 
So I'm still riding, although I'm now riding with one other, not mm -hmm. riding in a bunch like I used to. I'm now running with one other. So, so, um, so where you can, if you know, if you've got activities that you can do that are similar to what you were doing before, that's great. And I, I think for a lot of people, it will be about human connection. That for many people, and I'm, you know, talking to a lot of gym owners and and lots of different people, and what people are missing is, you know, they might have managed to secure themselves some weights, or they might have, you know, a big thing of laundry detergent at home that they can lug around and use as a kettlebell or whatever, and they're going, I'm just not feeling it. This just isn't working for me. So it'll be about creating a space to do your physical activity. Obviously, within the confines, it's probably going to be in your home, um, probably, and but it's it's. Don't underestimate the value of connecting with other people where you can. Um, and I did the, I did this recently with a, a friend of mine who is a fitness instructor. She's based in New Zealand um, and she was looking for creative ideas of what to do for her class. And I bet it was a question she wished she'd never asked because I, being a bit of a smart aleck, I put my hand up and said, well, what about an aqua aerobics class? So there I was one day with the iPad set up against the pool making sure that it <laughs> didn't go in the drink. <laughs> And there she one. was instructing the aqua aerobics class in her study in New Zealand. So she doesn't awesome. even have a pool, but you don't need a pool to be an aqua aerobics instructor. Mm. They often do it on, from the side. Mm. So it's so the point of that story is it that session worked because I connected with somebody else. So if there is an online modality to do what it is that you do, and whether that be your local gym or or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, People matter and connecting with people and even if it's telling people afterwards what you've done, that, that connection is something that we really can't underestimate. Nice one. Uh, and then would you rethink, so if you came into this time with big goals, business goals, fitness goals, whatever, would you rethink them now or would you keep plugging away or does it depend on the type of goal that it is? Uh, it would depend on the type of goal that it is because I think that uh, things can shift. So there was one project that I was working on that I thought was my main priority for this year and I've now shifted it. Um, and so I'm now thinking about doing other things. I think it's probably going to be individually dependent, that one. Um, but I think uh, going into the performance mindset that you were talking about before not being fixed, you know, it's 2020 and this is the year, well, to me, I'm going to write my second book. You know, 2020, you're going to write my second book. Well, maybe I don't have to. Maybe I can do it next year because maybe there's a possibility that I could do something else. So I think having a bit of flexibility in our thinking is is useful for all of us. Thank you. And then what do, do you have non-negotiables now that you try to do each day? So, for example, for me, it's my I've actually stepped up my meditation processes. I'm doing it twice a day now and exercise and gratitude. That's my three. Do you have non-negotiables during this time? Yes, I do. So physical activity, physical activity has always been an absolute for me because my family will tell you that the world's a much nicer place when mum does some exercise. <laughs> so there's a whole range of reasons why I do it, but that's one of them. So, so physical activity first thing in the morning for me. I'm a big fan of routine. So we have a whiteboard with a, a roster on it. So um, do we. We've got the, yeah. they write out their plan for the day. And yes. then they put in when they're calling grandma and granddad and Nan and Oprah and when they're playing different things and that really helps. Yeah. It, it does because if you think about it, it comes back to what we talked about before is predictability and control. You know, we are, many of us are creatures of habit and having routine and knowing, you know, we don't know what's happening in the world when we turn on the six o'clock news tonight, but we do know 
that 11 o'clock you're ringing grandma and at, you know, five o'clock tonight you're going to have spaghetti bolognese for dinner, you know, whatever it is. So those routines are really important. Um, so so that that is a big part of it. Um, personal connection is really important for me as well. So I've one thing I have been doing differently since this is I've been reaching out to one or two people every day that I don't normally have contact with and it might just be just a short message and a, hey, I was thinking of you, just wondering how you're going. Just reaching out to people I think is really important um, and and then, of course, the gratitude and, and making sure that I get outside with, with my boys as well and um, every now and then I let them beat me at basketball. <laughs> you let okay, them. That's, that really that's very okay, generous. So they, yeah, no, no, they actually beat me all the time. So <laughs> but they, weren't, they weren't here to correct me on that. But my guilt, my guilt got the better of me. I, I probably needed to tell the truth there. So, yeah, nice. a little bit of that. Thank you. And is there anything else we haven't covered that could be quite helpful? No, I, th- I think I think we've covered some good territory there. I think I think this is just a time for us to be mindful as to how we're going, be mindful of the people around us, to be gentle on ourselves, um, to seek the opportunities and possibilities if that's what we want to do. Um, and, and I think just that looking after each other is incredibly important. Excellent. Thank you. And I know we mentioned this in the last interview as well, but if our guests would like to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, the easiest way is just to remember my name because everything, all of my stuff is, is under my name. So it's Joe Lukens, L-U-K-I-N-S. So my website's there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And as my 13-year-old will tell you, I am terrible on Instagram, but I am there. So people share stories and I never quite know what to do with them. And he sighs at me and says that I look needy, but I am on Instagram as well. (laughs) (laughs) I can manage the other modalities a little better, but would love to hear from anyone if they want to get in contact. Awesome. Thank you. And the final question, I know I asked you this one last time as well, but really keen to see if it's evolved for you, particularly during these times now. What does doing life better mean for you? That is such a great question. I, I'm trying to remember now what I said last time, so I, I, I won't try and recreate it. But doing doing life better, I think, is really about oh, such a great question. Um, I hope everyone's thinking about their own answer to this while I'm stalling for time. Doing mm-hmm. doing life better is learning the lessons when they're put in front of you, being gentle and kind to yourself, and and caring about the people around you. I have to go back and see what I listened to, what I said last time. Yeah. 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 I meant to check it before this actually, but yeah. <laughs> but no, Joe, thank you. It's been helpful for me um, to, to reconnect with you again, particularly during these times. And I know it'll be really helpful for our listeners as well. Like oh. even some of my friends have been asking me the exact same questions that I asked you just then. So oh, there you go. I know there they're really go. going to benefit from it as well. Oh, that's nice to know. Again, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you. You too. Talk to you soon. Well, there we go, everyone. I hope this chat with Joe today was just as helpful for you as it was for me. And if it was, I'm sure there's people in your life who would really benefit from hearing this message from Joe today. So please do share it with them. Also, put it up on your social medias. Um, You can tag Joe uh, on Instagram at doctor, as in D-R underscore J-O underscore Lukens, L-U-K-I-N-S. You can also reach out to her on Facebook at Dr. Joe Lukens or on Instagram 
And uh, please do, if you'd share it on Instagram as well, please tag me in at Dave Jorna and at Do Life Better Podcast. Um, we also have the Facebook group, Do Life Better Podcast Community. You're very welcome to jump on and uh, join that group as well. Love to have you part of that. And uh, anyways, again, all the very best for what you're doing these days, um, whether you're still going out there to work as one of those essential workers for all of us, or if you're at home trying to do homeschooling or and working from home or whatever it is that you're up to these days, know that there's many other people just like you going through very similar situations and uh, make sure that you do reach out, make sure that you do connect to others around you. Thank you very much for joining me today and I can't wait to next time.